Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Governor Ron DeSantis releases a new book as a precursor to a likely presidential run. The Florida Democratic Party picks a new chair, and DeSantis appoints conservative allies to a board overseeing Disney World's properties in Central Florida. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy. But first... John, that means it's time for some numbers. What do you have for us this week? It sure does, Zach. Um, And my number this week is 43. 43. Wow. What a coincidence, because that is my number. We'll see. Well, this this could this could uh, lead to some tension, folks. We'll have to wait to the end of the show to see uh, if John and I picked uh, the same thing here. Well, the road to the White House runs through Venice, Florida, where Ron DeSantis gathered a big crowd of supporters in a window and door factory this week for the launch of his new book, The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. John, that book title really says everything about DeSantis's likely uh, presidential pitch, doesn't it? I mean, he he really wants to make the rest of America more like Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If if you like what DeSantis has done for Florida, you know, are are you ready to turn him loose on America? Uh, His his fans seem ready, uh, although... You know, even Fox News in a recent report from uh, Ponte Vedra Beach, you know, really near where he used to be a congressman, the real MAGA crowd still seemed to want uh, former President Trump to run again. Uh, DeSantis, I guess, is kind of looked on as uh, for them uh, kind of kind of a new Coke, you know, compared to the original product. But the uh, the governor in his book uh, does seem to rely on the theme that what you've seen in Florida, he can do on a national scale. Uh, He covers his clash with Disney, his focus on eradicating woke and his battle against uh, school masks and COVID-19 policies. Uh, Of course, you know, without once mentioning that more than 86,000 Floridians died of COVID. Um, he, He mentions in the book about researching the power of Florida's executive office when he was first elected governor in 2018. And uh, DeSantis has certainly weaponized the office to uh, exert his will on uh, the legislature, school boards, universities, and elected officials who cross him, uh, you know, including a sheriff, an election supervisor, and a state attorney who he uh, has removed from offices on what some called possibly dubious grounds. Uh, minorities, too, uh, you know, whether they be black voters hurt by his congressional redistricting plan or uh, LGBTQ citizens who have uh, lost really any sign of support from their state government. But but this is all part of the uh, the DeSantis brand that he is uh, ready to, uh, to, to take you know, on the national stage. Uh, the state is going uh, gangbusters economically, uh, low unemployment, uh, you know, very uh, robust uh, tourism industry in the state. Uh, he seems to have uh, a lot, I guess, on paper that he can uh, can talk about. But uh, you wonder, you know, is America ready for a DeSantis rising out of the swamps of Florida? He, uh, he makes his case in his book, which the New York Times called Chilling, unfree and scary um they also said that it sounded like it was written by chat gpt as a sort of generic political memoir so i i'm not sure this book uh, is going to be a necessarily a page turner for people but uh, for folks who are interested in desantis they, they might uh, find it enthralling 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of that that same theme that we've heard before about DeSantis, where you know he doesn't have much charisma, not much you know personality. Uh, when it comes to human interaction, he sort of fails. A lot of that, I think, is part of this book as well. There's not a lot of warmth there, or that much uh, you know. Uh, it, Kind reflection. Uh, and, you know, with uh, the legislative session coming up, the, which is going to precede his, uh, you know, eventual presidential announcement, we're going to see more culture clashes coming. Uh, you know, DeSantis has already served up a, a broad menu of uh, dragons he's ready to slay, whether it's, uh, you know, socially conscious investing by governments uh, or uh, diversity and equity programs in colleges and universities. Uh, and and we're looking at a likely expansion of uh, last year's parental rights uh, legislation, the so-called "Don't Say Gay" bill that got DeSantis, of course, crossways with Disney when they opposed uh, uh, that bill. Um, uh, we're we're going to see an effort by the Republican-controlled legislature to expand uh, the, the the parental rights uh, prohibition on. Uh, children discussing LGBTQ uh, issues in the classroom, that that's going to go from the current cap at th third grade to eighth grade. So it'll cover all elementary schools under what they're looking to do for uh, this year. So, you know, a question, of course, hovering over DeSantis going forward will be, you know, what may work to get you uh, the Republican presidential nomination? It may turn out to be poison uh, when uh, it goes before general election voters. So uh, we've got a long way to go with the DeSantis for president campaign, but uh, we're uh, on the verge of it, it seems like. Yeah, and he's really using this uh, book tour as sort of a soft launch for his presidential campaign, right? I mean, it sounds like he's going to be traveling the country, including going to some of these early voting states. There's reports that he'll be in, in Iowa, Nevada, um, possibly New Hampshire. Um, does this book kind of allow him to sort of have his cake and eat it too in terms of announcing for president? It seems like, you know, he can go and say, oh, I'm just doing my book tour, but but really he's testing the waters and everybody knows that he's testing the waters and, and he can sort of campaign for president without really announcing. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah he can. He can raise money when he's at these uh, book signings, uh, you, you know, separately from the book signing. He can, you know, uh, host donors somewhere. Uh, he can uh, do all the things that you would normally do as part of a, uh, you know, seed setting campaign. Uh, period in a presidential campaign. Um, so yeah, the book tour gives him a little bit of cover for doing those kind of activities. And also, you know, it'll be something, I guess, uh, you know, he's not going to be around Tallahassee during uh, the legislative session, at least for parts of it, because he's going to be elsewhere doing other things, which, uh, you know, that's okay. That That's something that governors do. And uh, in his case, uh, he's going to have a, a, a better attraction when it comes to uh, what he can do and getting his name out there in some of these early primary states where uh, he's going to be a, a regular attendee, presumably, you know, once the legislature actually does end in May. Yeah. And there's really not a lot of reason for him to be in Tallahassee. It seems like a lot of this is a fait accompli. The, the legislature is teeing up everything that he wants, and it doesn't look like the, he's going to have any real pushback. And he basically just needs to, to come 
come back at the the end of May and start signing uh, all these bills that they've passed for him. And then it sounds like um, it's when that session is over, uh, we're likely going to get a, a presidential announcement, uh, you know, in, in May or, or sometime early in the summer. So, um, you know, everything seems to be pointing towards a pretty big clash here with him and Trump. And it's going to be a, another blockbuster uh, GOP primary. Well, as DeSantis gears up for a presidential run, Florida Democrats are trying to regroup after a devastating midterm election that saw the party lose historic strongholds such as Miami-Dade and Palm Beach counties to DeSantis. Florida Democrats are at a historic low point. A GOP lawmaker even filed a bill this week to completely dissolve the party, which seems like it might just be a bit of trolling, but further illustrates how the party is pretty weak and defenseless. Democrats are turning to Nikki Freed, who lost a primary race for governor against Charlie Crist as the next party chair. Uh, John, Freed has a pretty tough job ahead. Oh, she sure does. I mean, the party is at a low chasm right now, and it's really hard to forecast how is it going to turn things around. You know, we're seeing, as we've reported frequently over the last couple of years, you know, this gap emerging between registered Republicans and registered Democrats in the state where, you know, only uh, two years ago for the first time ever, uh, Republicans overtook Democrats in voter registration. And now that distance has, has climbed to, you know, more than half a million voter difference. And uh, with uh, the legislature super in super majorities in both uh, houses of the, of the legislature, for Republicans, uh, there's even a more diminished uh, interest, it seems like, of, of anybody who's a, a Democrat of, of trying to get a foothold in Tallahassee because uh, your influence is going to be, uh, you know, next to nothing. So it's uh, it's a hard sell right now for uh, for the party, and it's going to be a very hard sell for for Freed. She, you know, has some things going for her. I think, uh, you know, just as she attempted to run for governor uh, last year uh, for the for the party nomination, uh, she's a young woman who uh, can talk some progressive uh, ideas when she is um, campaigning and trying to sell uh, the the Democratic Party to voters. Uh, yet at the same time, she is um, somebody who has uh, worked as a Tallahassee lobbyist. Uh, for the medical marijuana industry. And uh, she has uh, close ties with the uh, state's agriculture industry, which has been sort of a, a good and bad thing for her in the in the view of many progressive Democrats. But um, it, it, there's that uh, that she's going to have to bridge too. just that that the, the party, uh, there are elements within the party that don't really trust Freed. Um, they don't really see her as progressive enough. Then there are others that say, you know, progressivism does not sell for Democrats in Florida on on in, you know, on the state campaign trail. Um, we've always seen this uh, and we've talked about this before. We've always seen this pattern where the person that gets nominated as a, a statewide candidate for the Democrats is usually a Republican light, kind of a, a very centrist Democrat. Uh, perhaps uh, Andrew Gillum, the former Tallahassee mayor who ran for governor against DeSantis in 2018, broke that mold a little bit. He was a, a, a black Democrat, young, who uh, had a lot of progressive ideas. He came very close to uh, defeating uh, DeSantis. But um, the, the, the party has a lot of, uh, a lot of fractures on you know internally and externally and uh th that that's going to be freed's task going forward to try to mend them it seems like so um 
I guess raising money uh, is always a good thing. And that I would imagine is one of her first priorities. Yeah. And, and in some ways she's an interesting figure, you know, she's younger, she's, she's a woman, she's, she's more aggressive than maybe some of the party chairs have been in the past, but she also sort of, um, you know, bridges some of the, some of those factions you talked about in the party. She, she tried to challenge Christ from the left and, and, you know, kind of be a more progressive voice, but she also has connections to the establishment wing of the party. She was a, a lobbyist, um, you know, and, and I wonder sort of if, if you think John, that she can bridge some of those divides, uh, you know, she got attacked during this campaign for chair as uh, you know, supporting Republicans, and and I think she, they were trying to portray her as being you know not a real progressive Democrat. Which when she ran for for governor, she did try and you know kind of portray herself as a progressive. Do you think that she, that she has credibility with the various wings of the party? Well, I think she'll be working on that, and uh, I think one of the things that can perhaps help her best is that if she can somehow uh, reestablish relationships with the Democratic National Committee and uh, and donors and uh, support from the, the Democrats nationally in this state, if she can get their interest and get their uh, eagerness to have a viable um, you know party in the state and then viable candidates that are running, that's going to be uh, very important for the various support groups that Democrats rely on, whether it be unions, uh, progressive black organizations, uh, church groups. Uh, you know, there's, there's a number of uh, different uh, associations uh, that are Democratic allies that that feel really, um, you know, abandoned by the Democratic Party in this state. And of course, the Democratic Party in this state feels very abandoned by the National Democratic Party. Now, I would tend to think that President Biden, uh, you know, looking ahead to a re-election campaign that he will probably be running next year, uh, may want to somehow uh, blunt DeSantis's, if it is DeSantis as the Republican presidential nomination, that DeSantis's popularity in this state of Florida and kind of sort of sow uh, divisions within the state. So there may be a motivation for Democratic National Party uh, to to play more of a, a role in Florida. It's, um, it's not just a, a numbers game in Florida, but there's a certain amount of uh, political embarrassment maybe that they could, uh, you know, heap onto DeSantis by, you know, showing signs of him stumbling in Florida in some way, or somehow exploiting some of the failings of Florida that have been, uh, you know, uh, unaddressed on DeSantis's watch. So, Florida's a, an interesting place right now uh, for Republicans, and maybe that helps draw Democratic interest in this state. Yeah, and, and the bottom line with Freed is that she won. She won Florida. There's not a lot of Democrats that can say that, uh, you know, to, to have won statewide in a state that has been trending red for a while. Um, you know, she, she has something there where, where she was able um, to overcome uh, the odds, even when other Democrats uh, fell short, um, you know, including, uh, you know, uh, Andrew Gillum against uh, DeSantis and, and, and even uh, Bill Nelson against Rick Scott. So so Ricky Freed, Nikki Freed, um, you know, has that uh, credibility with Democrats uh, to say that she she went out there and, and, and won this state. Now, the state seems to have gone 
gone uh, even much further to the right uh, under DeSantis. And I, I don't think that, um, you know, whatever formula she used in, in 2018 is necessarily uh, going to work in, in 2024 or beyond. But uh, she does have that uh, in her resume that can give her credibility as she goes out and tries to build support um, and try and rebuild this party that is really, um, really, really in the, the dumps right now. Well, while Democrats try to rebuild, DeSantis is plowing ahead with an aggressive agenda that will serve as more fodder for his presidential campaign. He recently revisited his clash with Disney, which received a huge amount of national attention. DeSantis signed into law this week a bill that ends Disney's self-governing status and instead gives the state oversight over the board governing Disney's properties in Central Florida. DeSantis then appointed a group of conservative allies to that new board. John, has DeSantis effectively put Disney under his thumb? And what does that really say about his governing style and the message that he's trying to send to the GOP base? Well, Disney seems to find a way to navigate around many hurdles. And, uh, I think there's a good chance that the company will find a way to uh, endure Governor DeSantis. Uh, it seems to be very measured in its response to this latest uh, move that has uh, the governor appointing the board of uh, what had been known as the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Um, he's appointed his five-person board um, that changing what had largely been a Disney self-governing board that, uh, and and this, this body oversees a lot of the infrastructure needs of the uh, you know 25,000 acres that the company owns in Central Florida. And uh, while DeSantis's cronies are, are in a position now where they can do, uh, one person said to me, he said, they can do mischief, was the term uh, this analyst used to the company. Um, and it's true. Um, uh, I, I, I think there's still a feeling that um, keeping Disney World and its allied theme parks uh, a successful Florida landmark uh, is really in everyone's self-interest right now. Uh, maybe, you know, the DeSantis people don't really want to, uh, you know, overturn Disney completely. So, uh, so frankly, I, I think you won't see DeSantis try to mess more with the company. Uh, still, you know, if the governor sees the opportunity, I think, to capitalize on some Disney issue that is riling up the conservative voting base, like what, you know, maybe a, you know, a, a sexually ambiguous character in the next Mulan movie or something. Uh, yeah, you know, John, there's been some speculation that the governor could use this leverage to try and impact Disney's programming, which would be a really remarkable step for any um, politician to take to try and influence a, a private company content like that? I mean, you really think that uh, the governor or his appointees to this board would would, would uh, um, use their leverage to try and do something like that? Well, I, I think he could if there is enough uh, of, a, of a, you know, a level of outrage coming stirred up from uh, uh, conservative voters about something that, you know, it, as you mentioned, like Disney, Disney is a wide ranging company, has a lot of different products. So uh, whatever uh, it may be that Disney uh, is, is uh you know, showcasing, uh, if it becomes controversial, DeSantis will seize on it. We've seen his ability to, uh, you know, keep his finger on the pulse of the conservative voting movement. So, uh, you know, in, in that respect, I guess, by having uh, control of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, uh, you know, he can find a way for those board members to drag their feet on uh, clearing canals outside the Magic Kingdom or something like that, some infrastructure problem. But um, I, I guess he has a, a little bit of a soapbox that that he can uh, bark at uh, the company if he uh, if he wants to. 
And uh, remember, Reedy Creek will soon be known as the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District. Now, now that's a a, a cold uh, Soviet-era-sounding name that seems only a member of the DeSantis administration could come up with. But, uh, but you know, all told, for businesses, uh, you know, Disney's takeover, which uh, Democrats had squawked it was like socialism, it, it does send a chilling message. Uh, you know, it's basically cross DeSantis and he'll mess you up. Uh, we, we've already seen similar steps with his potential punishments for businesses that assist with the transport of undocumented migrants. Uh, you remember his uh, his ban on, uh, on mask mandates or vaccine requirements? And uh, now he wants to require the use of uh, e verify for employment, uh, toughening a, a three-year-old law that was aimed at keeping illegal workers off Florida payrolls. So DeSantis has really moved his party away from being one that advocated for small government. Uh, you know, for him, small may, it seems to be mean weak, and, uh, and business advocates uh, will remember these lessons going forward, I think, uh, when it comes to uh, you know, they'll be pouring money into his presidential campaign coffers, but I think there's a certain amount of risk uh, they realize that they're doing too in uh, making him bigger than he is. Yeah, uh, it would be pretty wild if this new board, you know, sort of dragged their heels on paving roads in Disney World right. or, or doing maintenance because there was some LGBTQ character or something. I mean, it, that, that just seems like kind of way over the top. Um, but who knows? I mean, the governor has uh, proven that he is willing to use his power in ways that uh, we haven't seen before. So, uh, you know, everything seems to be on the table with him. Uh, John, uh, this this could get, is kind of where the rubber meets the road in this show. We, we could have our, our first ever um, duplication of uh, numbers here. We're, we're, we're gonna see, you wanna tell us about yours? I know, we have a tie for the number of 43. Well, yeah. exactly, my, my 43 is, uh, I, I'm looking at another sunshine state this week, California in my number. Oh, and, and, all right. And, we dodged a bullet. I have nothing to do with California, so that's oh, okay. Good. <laughs> okay. Well, let, let me explain mine. My 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 forty three is the percentage of Californians recently surveyed by Quinnipiac University who said that if they had the financial means, they'd pack up and leave California to go someplace else. It's uh, it's roughly the same number who say they feel like they can't afford to live in the state as well. Um, now, now to paraphrase a hit by the Rivieras from the 1960s, the reason I'm going out west where I don't belong to find this number this week is because here in Florida, DeSantis likes to crow about the number of people moving to Florida. And uh, Gannett's own Kimberly Miller at the Palm Beach Post uh, not long ago analyzed driver's license data, which supports this influx from other states. And California is among the states people are leaving for Florida, although the roughly 29,000 incoming Californians last year, that, that was third behind uh, New York and New Jersey. Um, still, affordability is a factor. And uh, as expensive as housing is in Florida, it's worse in much of California, where taxes also take a bigger bite. Now, now, California Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, a Democrat who uh, has made some overtures toward running for president next year, uh, if President Biden doesn't, I guess, uh, is, is sort of the polar opposite of uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who he, who he has called cruel and a bully. Uh, the, these two have growled at each other, you know, from a transcontinental distance, and uh, and each sort of represents really a 
uh, a growing gap in uh, you know between what the, the, the Los Angeles Times in a recent profile uh, they kind of smartly called a culture lifestyle and the definition of freedom um, the, you know these two men are it couldn't be different um, while DeSantis seems to enjoy punching down at people politically this Newsom has promoted California as a as a refuge for abortion rights gender affirming care and he also wants to make the state a leader in reversing climate change and workplace inequities. Um, that's what the LA Times wrote. Um, DeSantis uh, clearly doesn't agree, uh, but economics appears to be a real albatross for Newsom. Now, Quinnipiac hasn't surveyed how many Floridians want to want out of Florida um, if they had the means to ex exit. But the 43% uh, of Californians who are ready to pack it in for somewhere else, well, that's probably not good for Newsom. And that's maybe underscored by the polls, uh, you know, additional findings that 70% of Californians, including a majority of Democrats, don't want him to run for president. But, um, you know, as DeSantis readies for another round of culture warfare for this spring's legislative session, um, you know, in advance of his own presidential announcement, you know, maybe maybe Quinnipiac should come in here and uh, survey Florida and find out, you know, how many people here want out. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so 43 percent of Californians want to leave uh, if they show up in Florida. It just seems like I mean, we you're, you made a point, John, that like, you know, California is more expensive. But, man, I mean, that's one of the things that DeSantis doesn't talk about in his, his Florida blueprint is that affordability has become a huge issue here as well. That's and if true. we got a lot of California transplants, I don't think it's going to help that. But they'll be looking um, at Florida as a bargain, you know, politically, <laughs> politically, it won't be a bargain, but maybe housing it would be. Well, um, my number, John, is also 43, uh, but it's a different 43. My number is 43 as in the 43rd governor of Florida, Jeb Bush who attracted attention this week for his effusive praise of the 46th governor of Florida, Mr. Ron DeSantis. Bush was featured in a Fox Nation special about DeSantis. And when he was asked by the host if he thinks this is DeSantis's time to run for president, Bush said that, I think it is. And he said, quote, he's been a really effective governor. He's young. I think we're on the verge of a generational change in our politics. I think it's time for a more forward-leaning, future-oriented conversation. So, so Bush was really, really um, talking up DeSantis uh, quite a bit, and, and many people actually saw his comments as basically an endorsement of of uh, Florida's current governor. But Bush later clarified in an email to Politico that he he simply was praising the governor, not uh, formally uh, endorsing him. Donald Trump famously eviscerated Bush in the 2016 presidential campaign. And Bush was, that was the presumed front runner in that campaign, but Trump belittled him as low energy Jeb and his support plummeted as it became clear that many Republican voters viewed Bush as the establishment and Trump is a change agent, but there's still a good amount of Republicans, especially in Florida, who respect Bush and listen to what he has to say. So that was one of the r really interesting things for him to be uh, kind of really out front in, in promoting sort of DeSantis uh, for president. And it attracted a lot of uh, attention here and Florida and elsewhere. Uh, like Bush, a lot of Republicans also seem to view uh, DeSantis as the candidate who best bridges the old GOP and the new MAGA version of the GOP that Trump ushered in. 
DeSantis faces the difficult task of trying to appeal to both factions as he takes on Trump. And his bigger concern isn't really winning over the Republicans like like Bush or maybe a little bit more on the, the moderate or establishment end and who are turned off by Trump. But really, DeSantis' is, is sort of uh, biggest challenge is winning enough of those MAGA Republicans to erode Trump's base. That's why DeSantis has been one of the more aggressive and confrontational governors in, in the nation, really, in his approach. And it's also why DeSantis isn't really likely to tout Bush's support, which only will remind the MAGA faithful of a brand of politics that they really loathe these days. Trump, on the other hand, is eager to tie DeSantis to Bush, and he did that this week. He posted on social media that Fox News is supporting DeSantis in a way that reminds him of, quote, when they were pushing Jeb, Trump is all too happy to make 2024 a replay of 2016. But while DeSantis is getting praised by Bush, his approach is much different, and he appears right now to be a much tougher opponent for Trump. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here. 